Hello, everyone. We are so excited to announce this year's Principles to Practice Summit on Montessori and Ecological Consciousness. Join us for this transformative summit, which brings together experts, scientists, activists, and educators to explore how Montessori education can nurture environmental stewardship in our students and cultivate a generation of sustainability leaders. Our lineup of speakers, including our keynote speaker, Robin Wall Kimmerer, will present practical strategies for seamlessly integrating Montessori principles with sustainable practices, empowering educators to foster environmentally aware and socially responsible learners. The summit will run June 17th through 19th, but tickets are available now. Head over to courses.trilliummontessori.org for more information. I'm Simi Abdullah, and I'd like to welcome you to Trillium Montessori Talks, the podcast where we dig into the theory and application of Montessori methodology in the classroom and beyond. This podcast is produced in cooperation with Letty Rising and other Trillium course creators. Our goal is to provide you with a weekly dose of tips, tools, and inspiration so you can optimize the classroom experience for your students and yourself. Ready? Let's talk Montessori. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Montessori Talks. And in this podcast session, we are going to be talking about how to ensure students are repeating math materials and concepts to attain proficiency. So when considering both the hallmarks and the benefits of the Montessori elementary classroom, one of the first things that generally comes to mind is the idea of freedom to choose work. This is one of the aspects of a Montessori environment that sets us apart from other pedagogies and approaches. It is also true that certain kinds of learning need repeated exposure in order for the information or skill to be attained, and one area where this is most obvious is math. Math is kind of like a foreign language. Unlike reading, we don't see numbers and equations continuously throughout our day, and because of this, there needs to be a conscious and deliberate effort, as well as continuous and regular practice for math facts and concepts to be retained and applied. Sometimes the Montessori environment feels like an ever-moving pendulum swinging from freedom on one side to the accountability measures we put into place to ensure mastery and growth on the other side. How do we find this balance of freedom and responsibility when it comes to math? Maria Montessori looked at math from a developmental perspective. She was a scientist who approached education with observation, and learn how children best absorb the world around them. When considering math in a Montessori context, we are not only developing a skill, but we are also developing the human personality as well. Maria Montessori observed some universal human tendencies that people across the world share, and some of these tendencies are order, precision, and exactness. Math is an area that addresses these particular tendencies. Knowing this, you will want to start with the assumption that children are interested and curious about numbers and that they want to know more. 
start from a place of assuming that they will be excited and grasp concepts quickly and be hungry for more information. This is a better orientation than beginning from a place where you believe that math is hard, needlessly repetitive, boring, and unimaginative. When you draw upon your own internal wellspring of inspiration, the children will not only be enthusiastic about math lessons, but they will also feel motivated to repeat to proficiency and feel eager to move forward through each lesson as they are presented. So how do we present Montessori math lessons in the Montessori elementary classroom? One thing you'll want to keep in mind is that the math materials are the primary teacher and you are their assistant, so to speak. You as the guide are presenting the math materials and they're using their minds to grasp concepts. During the presentation, you will first show them how to use the material, then you'll do a problem or two with them. Then you can sit there and watch as they complete a couple of problems on their own and guide them if they run into roadblocks. Then you'll release them into the environment to engage with the materials independently. Of course, they might be working with a friend or two. Eventually, they move away from the material and towards abstraction, which means that they can perform calculations either mentally or on paper or ideally both. In order to give a high-quality presentation that children will easily be able to repeat, you will want to practice the lesson beforehand. The more prepared you are, the more confident you will be, and the more likely the children will be able to engage with the materials independently after the lesson. So make sure to be prepared, and that means practice the day before or the morning before you give a lesson and maybe practice it a couple of times. So how do we ensure that math practice happens regularly with the children? The easiest way to ensure repeated usage of math materials is to create assignments and deadlines. However, this comes up in opposition of the spirit of the Montessori approach. And knowing this, teachers often will then go the opposite direction, which is to not assign and hope that the children will pick up the large bead frame or the checkerboard and practice numerous times after you've given a lesson until they attain mastery. But that would take a highly self-directed child to be able to do that. And we don't always have children who are highly self-directed or a self-directed classroom in general. This is particularly true for brand new classrooms that are not yet established or new schools or in a public school setting where you might have more turnover or you might have only two grade bands together, for example. So let's say you've presented the lesson clearly and correctly and the children have a clear understanding of how to use the material But after the lesson, or maybe after just one or two times of practicing the materials, they stop. This could happen for a number of reasons, and particularly due to the following. Maybe the presentation wasn't clear enough, and the children aren't yet comfortable with the material. There will be some times when presenting a lesson once, even with scaffolding and practicing with the children, is not going to be enough. If this happens, you will want to re-present that lesson again. It might be that you invite the child to a lesson, but really you're just repeating the lesson and practicing with them. You might say, I'd like to invite you to a lesson. And maybe it's just actually you've done that before, but you're going to sit down and practice with them. Some children need two or three times of scaffolded support or even more before they feel comfortable 
going on their own. Another thing you might run into is that maybe the child doesn't understand the cycle of work. This is especially true for young elementary children who have first come into the elementary environment and also for older children entering into the Montessori classroom for the first time. You might need to model to the children how to pull the work off the shelf, where they can sit, how to lay out the material, where to get a paper, a pencil, a clipboard, whatever it is they need. These things may seem very basic if you've been in the environment, but if you are with children who have never been in a Montessori environment, the executive functioning aspect of selecting work, doing work, and putting work away is a skill in and of itself. This is something you might need to practice over and over again. A couple of times, or maybe more than a couple of times, when I've had a new classroom and I notice that children are not taking anything off the shelves and working, they might be writing a lot of stories or doing research reports, but they're not taking materials off the shelves. I might say one morning, okay, how about everybody starts with taking a math material off of the math shelf and just choosing one to work on this morning before you get into anything else. Sometimes you need to draw their attention to that if they're not accustomed to going to select their work, getting it, taking it out, doing it, and putting it away. Sometimes you need to draw their attention to these things. It also might be that there isn't enough variety for the child. If you have a child working on the stamp game over and over again, or the large bead frame, and you haven't introduced them to other math materials that address the same concept that you're teaching, then you might want to try something new. Remember that with elementary children, repetition happens through variety. And so offering a variety of materials can help increase the levels of motivation. Maybe they aren't seeing where math is relevant in their daily lives. Remember that most elementary children want to know the reason why they are doing something. As I've mentioned before in another podcast, they aren't going to wash a table or mop a floor just for the sake of doing so as they would have in the first plane of development. Elementary children seek meaning and relevance. You could make math more relevant for them by giving them word problems using themes related to the child's interests or making up word problems, including names of friends or classmates. This automatically generates a lot more interest when you personalize word problems for math. You can also have them help plan events and calculate costs, measure the volume of objects in the room, use fractions via recipe creations, and so forth. There are lots of ways that you can make math relevant in the elementary classroom. You might also notice that they have mastered a good portion of the material, but need an additional challenge. So maybe they're not quite ready because they haven't actually fully mastered the material as much as you'd like, and there are pieces that are still missing for them. Maybe you want to give them large numbers into the millions and see how they do with those large numbers. At this age, the elementary child is drawn to big work, and they often prefer to do one very large problem into the millions or beyond rather than several smaller ones. Also, you might want to look at what we call special cases, such as zeros in the divisor or the dividend of a division problem, 
And this gives an extra point of interest to the work and can revive their interest in continuing forth. Maybe they don't have a solid work partner. According to the psychological characteristics of the elementary child, as described by Maria Montessori, elementary children often don't enjoy working in isolation. And while math doesn't lend itself to larger group work, it is great for children to work in pairs or groups of three. Children are much more likely to practice regularly if they have a practice partner to work with. You might want to help a child who is resistant to practice identify someone in the class that they would enjoy working with so that when it comes time to practice the material, they feel much more excitement and enthusiasm around doing so. So there is a third way that we haven't talked about yet. We've just covered numerous reasons why children might not be repeating math work. But how do we encourage this repetition? When approaching this challenge, we could swing from one end of the pendulum, which is assigning math work for practice, or we could swing to the other end of the pendulum, which is leaving it to chance that children will regularly practice materials to learn new concepts. Or we can look at another way. Remember that the Montessori elementary environment is an environment brimming with opportunities to collaborate. It is often the case that the guide comes together with a student or a group of students to collaborate, negotiate, and create agreements about goals and tasks and things that children want to accomplish that are also merged with things that teachers need to be able to deliver to the children so that they learn all the things they need to know to be a productive member of society as an adult. Approaching the idea of math practice is no different. If a child isn't practicing math concepts from a previously introduced lesson, invite them into a discussion about it during your weekly one-on-one conference. The following steps can serve as a guideline as you have these conversations. Ask them, how many days a week do you think would be good to practice the checkerboard that you learned last week? Do you think three days or four days or five days? You might want to remind them by saying, hey, I have some really cool lessons that I want to give that come right after this one. And I hope that you will practice and master this lesson pretty quickly so that I can give you the next one as soon as you're ready. You can also ask them to commit to how often they will be practicing. Ask them, how often do you want to practice this material? Let them know that your experience has shown them that practicing at least three times a week will be the most effective. And you haven't seen a whole lot of progress when children only practice once a week. If I say, hey, Brandon, how many times a week do you think you want to practice the checkerboard? And they say one. And I'd say, well, Brandon, do you think that one is going to be enough for you to be able to remember it um, if you only do it once a week and then you wait a whole other week to do it again? Do you think that's going to be enough to help you remember it and learn it? They'll probably say no. And if they say yes, you could say, well, let's try it this week and then revisit it next week. And likely they're going to say, yep, I need to have a little bit more time with this. So it is a bit of a negotiation, and it's, it's a worthwhile negotiation to have. You might want to check in on them at the next conference that you have, because you're conferencing weekly for five minutes or so with each child, checking in, seeing where they're at. 
And you might want to conference with them and ask them if the amount that they practice felt like too little or too much or just right, and then adjust accordingly. And maybe you'll say, oh, I noticed that you wrote down your goal was to practice the checkerboard five times this week. Did that feel like the perfect amount or did it feel like too little or too much? And they may say, yeah, I, didn't, I don't feel like I needed it five days, all five days. I'm thinking maybe I'd like to do it three days this week. Or they may say, you know, I know I did it every day, but it still didn't seem like enough. So maybe I'm going to do it once in the morning and once in the afternoon. So you may have lots of different ideas coming from them. If they feel like they've practiced enough to be proficient, ask them to show you a couple of problems. If you observe them using the materials with ease, and in fact, it possibly seems like the materials are even maybe slowing them down, then you know that you're probably ready for the next step in terms of teaching them a new lesson. An environment where students are able to have voice and choice, along with an understanding of the accountability measures in place to ensure repeated practice with materials, will result in lots more regular math practice happening in the classroom. Children ultimately want to learn they want to refine, they want to perfect. And this is something that you need to believe about them. They are constructing themselves through their own inner drives towards growth. When we are there to support them by sparking their interest, giving them freedom, and at the same time, helping them set and define and practice goals for themselves and helping them to be accountable for these goals, we are then creating an environment ripe for mathematical minds to flourish. Thank you for coming to this podcast episode of Montessori Talks. And I look forward to having you join me in another talk in the future. Thanks for tuning in to Trillium Montessori Talks. If you enjoyed this podcast, you will love the practical and actionable classroom management advice in the Montessori Principles to Practice webinar libraries. Head to trulliammontessori.org forward slash podcast for details and to learn about all the ways we can help you optimize your Montessori work. We'll be back soon with more Montessori inspiration. In the meantime, please help other Montessori guides find this podcast by leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast listening platform. Thank you for being a part of the Trillium community.